Greetings, Dr. Beckett. Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast. Theorizing that one could time travel within his own lifetime, Dr. Sam Beckett stepped into the Quantum Leap Accelerator and vanished. He awoke to find himself trapped in the past, facing mirror images that were not his own and driven by an unknown force to change history for the better. His only guide on this journey is Al, an observer from his own time, who appears in the form of a hologram that only Sam can see and hear. And so Dr. Beckett finds himself leaping from life to life, striving to put right what once went wrong, and hoping each time that his next leap will be the leap home. You are listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast. This is episode 93, The Leap Between the States. Of the Army of the Potomac from General G.B. McClellan, September 2nd, 1862. Upon receipt of these orders, you, Captain John Beckett. John Beckett! Oh, Sam, you're here! Oh, gushy, I got him! Al, this is a real Civil War uniform. Yeah, I recognize it. And this is a real wound. Well, how'd you get that? There was a battle. And these Confederate soldiers, they tried to chase me down. And, and, and then there was this... Black family. They, they found okay, me. Take it, take and it easy. Then, Calm down, Sam. Slaves are, are uh, runaway slaves. And then they brought me here. Whatever the hell this is, what is going on? You're in Virginia, and it's September 20th, 1862. I'm my great-grandfather. My great-grandfather fought with the Union forces in the Civil War. His name was John Beckett. It's the only reason I could figure out why I could leap outside my own lifetime. It must have been some kind of genetic transfer or something. Who's back there? Come on out! Please don't shoot. Isaac, get the shackles. A Yankee soldier on my land? He was fixing the dime, Miss Livy. Gone too far, Isaac. Olivia Covington, married at 22, widowed at 24. That's very nice, Al. Now, what does Ziggy say is going on here? Your great-grandmother's name just happened to be Olivia Covington Beckett. No, no, yes. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Your southern belle there is your sweetie, your bride-to-be, and your great-grandma all rolled in one. <laughs> You're enjoying this a little too much. Uh, yes, I'm enjoying Well, I'm enjoying it a lot. But at least she can't be the reason I'm here. She and my great-grandfather, John, they met, they got married, and everything worked out fine, right? Right. Probably. 59% chance that your mission is something else. 59%? That's all? Yeah, and while you're trying to figure out what your mission is, you gotta keep the romance on track. No. There's Confederate soldiers coming. You gotta hide. You can't let them see you. Hey, hey, duh, they see you. 
And who might you be? Uh, him. This is... Uh... I'm Olivia's cousin, Aubrey Covington, from Natchez, Mississippi, at your service. Well, we are on runaway slave patrol here, ma'am, but I just wanted to warn you, there are lots of escaped Yankees on the loose in these parts. I think I know why I'm here. Oh, what? Isaac is running a stop on the Underground Railroad. I must be here to help him, don't you think? We don't have any doubt on Isaac. Well, what about Olivia? I mean, I, I don't think she's actually helping them, but she's sort of looking the other way. Yeah, but we don't have any doubt on her either. But the Confederate Army, uh, they didn't treat sympathizers any different than they did the slaves. We know you run away right now. Come on out. You come out and we'll burn you out. Give me the gun right now. What you gonna do? You're gonna have to trust me on this, Isaac. Damn you, Captain. What the hell did you do? Trust me. Back here, Lieutenant. Come on. Well, 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 what have we here? Run away, sir. I have a situation under control. What's going on here? I have bad news for you, Cousin Livy. It seems that your slave here, Isaac, has been taking advantage of you. Been running slaves north, right under your nose. That is well done, Captain. Shackle these runaways. Then you look around, you find me some rope. Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast, everyone. I'm Christopher DeFilippis. I'm Alison Pregler. And I'm Matt Dale. And today we will be talking about the Season 5 episode, The Leap Between the States, or as I like to call it, My Visit with Cousin Aubrey. <laughs> call it whatever you want as long as you keep that accent up. <laughs> I do believe you met Natchez. Uh, <laughs> I know that I've been pretty, I don't know, critical over the last few shows about the gimmicks and about the quality of the storytelling and how sometimes the gimmicks don't mesh with the storytelling. See also the beast within. But this is a gimmick episode that feels like a classic Quantum Leap episode. And I'm just going to probably gush a lot in this hour. So <laughs> prepare for a different side of Chris that maybe we haven't seen a lot in season five, at least since killing time, I think. <laughs> Why don't we just do some initial impressions right off the bat? Allison, what are your thoughts of uh, Leap Between the States? Well, it's one that I like in that, like, I, I wish they had more opportunities to do things like this because, um, it is a different sort of time travel situation than what we've normally encountered on Quantum Leap. I'm not a, the biggest fan of the uh, incestuous elements, <laughs> um, which is uh, seen uh, in much more detail in the um, the John Peel Independence book, which is a very similar story to this. Uh, but overall, like I, I think it's pretty good. I uh, I always find it interesting when I'm watching it. Okay. Ooh. How about you, Matt? Well, I, can I can I go back? It's been a while since we've done this, but can I go back to talk about my initial initial impressions of this back in the nineties? You know, yeah, that's right. We used to do that. So yeah, yeah please. I, and I, to be fair, usually I don't have that much to say except yeah, I was a teenager. This was fun. There was someone pretty in it, and I was I was young and hormonal. Um, but <laughs> no, th this one though, this one's quite unique because. Um, at the time, I I wasn't on the internet. Um, I I hadn't discovered the world of fanzines. So my first 
knowledge of any new episodes of Quantum Leap was either in the leap outs at the end of an episode or in the, the TV listings magazines for the following week. That was it. This, though, is the sole exception. Um, so there were, there was a, um, a genre magazine which ran, um, it ran a piece on various things that were going on in the States. And it was, it was something that I subscribed to. And I've, I've got a copy of the magazine here. And this is what it said in May 1993. And I had to wait a year for it to be shown in the UK. (laughs) So this is what I had a one year wait for this. Okay. It would be a shame if the series ends because the producers have finally relented on the rule that Sam can only travel to time periods within his own lifetime. Apparently the episode called 1862. Keep in mind this, this came out the month the episode aired. So I don't know. Apparently the episode called 1862 uses a DNA link to send him back to the American Civil War. With that plot device at hand, genetic strands could potentially lead Sam to any point in history. Wow, that excited me back when I was... I was 12 when I read that. I didn't see the episode till I was 13. Um, yeah, it was literally, it was, it was a year to the month until I saw that. So I was waiting a long time for this. The hype was real. Yeah, so, so when I saw the, the, the leap out at the end of the previous episode, <laughs> like, yes, that, I thought it was a lie. I thought they'd made it up. But, um, yeah, I, I, no, I, I was amazed. This, this is it's actually happening. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I can gush about this episode as well. Uh, it did not disappoint despite the year of build up. But all these, all, all the other gimmicks that happened throughout season five, like the evil leapers and everything like that, all of them came as a surprise to me. This is the only gimmick that I knew about in advance and it was a year. So. Yeah, it had a lot riding on it. That was like a best of both worlds, kind of like the weight. <laughs> yes. But a year when you're 12 to 13, yeah, that, that crazy. Is, yeah, really yeah. is a lifetime. A couple of months of wondering whether or not Patrick Stewart's going to come back does not compare. I see your point, <laughs> but no, th- this was um, this is half my lifetime at school. I was just talking about the Civil War episode. Wow, it's funny because now that I think back to my initial initial impressions of this um i had seen the preview reel that they played at the end of evil leaper so i knew that there was a civil war episode coming and i had real trepidation not excitement i i guess some excitement but i was just thinking oh no they've finally crossed the line quantum leap is going to turn into time tunnel it's going to be <laughs> historical period drama nonsense based on whatever costumes they have left over from whatever big budget movie the studio was shooting that week. And I had real fears that it would sort of destroy the unique premise of Quantum Leap, keeping it grounded within you know events that we can all either, I guess, keeping it all within recent. And I was going to say that we recognize or remember. Um, I guess that's a good way to put it. But there's still a personal connection to a lot of the stuff that Sam does in the show. And when you bring him to someplace like the Civil War, you open the window to bringing him to ancient Greece or, um, you know, wherever. And it just becomes a different animal altogether. So to say that I love this episode as much as I did came as a great relief to me. Because I think that having broken the rules they still did right by Quantum Leap and everything that Quantum Leap embodied up until that time. But um, in general, when you see time travel, 
Are you guys fans of historical time travel like we see in this leap? I think there is uh, a difference between time travel stuff like this or Back to the Future, uh, at least the first one, where it's like kind of in their lifetime, kind of within lifetimes that you know and you're familiar with. There's this nostalgia factor to it. A lot of it's about like personal timelines or people um, uh, that are uh, a little bit more relatable. And then there is the fish out of water time travel where you're talking about like a uh, Yankee in King Arthur's court or uh, it's, it's that kind of stuff where it's like, it's not so much about like um, the personal stories is like, isn't that wacky that like this person from modern times is way back then. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think like that is an interesting way to take it. I don't know if this episode goes that far with it. Uh, I would have liked to see more episodes like this, but not on a consistent basis. I think age has quite a big difference. I mean, I, I know when I saw this originally, to me, the 1860s, the 1960s, yeah, it was all ancient history. It was all oh, modern person, exactly like you say, the kind of fish out of water thing. In the 1960s, to me, that, that was far back enough. <laughs> um, I've matured a little since then. I can appreciate that there is a significant difference between the 20th and, and 19th centuries. <laughs> but yeah, they are very different genres i think it's it's tough to compare the two i mean and also when you when you think about it like the the woman that sam meets in this episode is what his great grandmother great great grandmother i think it's great great yeah like relatively speaking not that far removed um if we're talking about like you know slavery seems so long ago but like there are people not that far removed uh, in generations to their ancestors who were slaves. I mean, like, it's so far away and yet so close at the same time. Hmm. Yeah, and we still live with the fallout and the legacy of slavery. Just race in America is still one of the most pertinent issues that we still face. And it's something that is still causing huge cultural divides to this day. I don't know that we want to open up that can of worms here, but I mean, just a lot of the prevalent racism that is just blatant to this day. Yeah. I mean, Quantum Leap suffers um, plenty of times from the uh, Sam Beckett giving a little speech about how amazing things are going to be in the future. And, and these yeah. days you watch it and cringe and think, it's really not. Um, <laughs> and th this episode has one of the, the best slash worst examples of those. Because in about two years, the North is going to win this war. Things are going to be bad for a while, but everything's going to change. Blacks, Negroes are going to get to vote. They're going to get jobs, good jobs. That's crazy talk. It's truth. I swear it, Isaac. It's going to be a long, hard fight for schooling and other equality. But believe me, there will come a time when everyone will have the same rights. Everyone will be free. Yeah, there's... Some lovely moments from Sam that are completely naive and sadly inaccurate, but you, you want them to be true. Yeah, I mean, like, that's some of the things that, that bothered me a little bit in this episode. It's a little bit white savory. Yeah. A little bit? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is something that they, they do in Quantum Leap occasionally, and sometimes it's just a byproduct of the main character is white, and they happen to be talking about a story that involves race. 
But there, you know, Sam being like giving them the whole speech. First of all, he goes out because he hears the baby crying and then he finds the family. I think this is the family that saved him. They, they allude to some black family yeah. saving him from the river. He hears the baby crying and he's like, I came out because I thought maybe I could. And he doesn't say what and i'm like but what did he think he was going to do and then he gives them a little speech about how things are going to be great and wait a couple years or whatever a couple months and things are going to be rough for a while but it'll be okay and it's like it's yeah it's not though i was thinking about um the fact that like after the civil war after the uh emancipation proclamation and all that like it was like another two years before the last slaves were told they were free mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it was yeah. really rough and you can't just yeah. say like because you're free you're free it was a really hard road and i guess it was just an, an oversimplification and i don't know i just feel like they didn't need to do the speech there for sam to say he wanted to do the right thing and be on the right side of history well, I think that maybe he felt like he needed to let them know the broad strokes of what was coming to earn their trust, because this is just another white person that is maybe going to, to persecute them and turn them in, and if they get caught, they could die. And sure. I think what Sam said, nothing he said was wrong. Everything he said was historically accurate. And Sam being Sam is a very optimistic and sort of um like a po- – he sees the positive side of everything. And he's just, you know, static to be able to let them know that, no, it's not always going to be like this. There will be a time when you have the right to vote, when you, when this, when that. And he said it's going to be a struggle. It's going to be – it's going to be tough. But it's going to happen. And I think that that is the biggest message that he wanted to take away. Not that it's not going to be hard, not that it's not going to be lingering and problematic and, you know, um, that it will always be a struggle, but at least there will be strides made. And I, for that, I mean, I don't know. I kind of, I, I, I got all, I wouldn't say I welled up, but everything Sam did in this made me feel good. And I don't know if it's because I need to still hear it based on a lot of the shit that's going on right now, but it's nice to have something grounded in the optimism and the progressiveness that we had been seeing for the better part of the 20th century or the latter half of the 20th century when it comes to this kind of thing, when it comes to race relations. And the fact that the pendulum is now swinging back the other way, I don't think should diminish from the hope that Sam is able to give. Wow, this is weird. We're getting right into like the like the heaviest part of the episode right away, and I guess it's good to get but it that, out of the I way. I mean, that is that is essentially why Sam is there. All the romance stuff is all just a distraction and a, a byproduct, and I, I don't know. This also the whole um, brush with history that they have. I like the way I feels about being a free man. Makes a man feel like a king. So if it ain't too uppity. I'd like to be called Isaac King. Sam, you're not going to believe this. Isaac here goes on to have a son named Emmanuel, and Emmanuel goes on to have a son. King? Something wrong with it. No, 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 it's fine. And that son has a son, a very famous son, Martin Luther King. In their history, was Martin Luther King Jr. not like that prominent of a figure like was he meant to save him or was it just the family or like what specifically was different in the original history that that he had to change 
they definitely seem to change the rules in this episode. Because clearly Sam was born in the original timeline. Clearly Martin Luther King existed in the original timeline. He's been mentioned before. So, yeah, he's not in those two elements. He's not changed history. Yeah, and they oh, they throw in kind of some watwas about that, you know, like when he's doing the whole speech to the runaway slaves, um, <laughs> then Isaac goes, that's just a dream. It ain't nothing but a dream. <laughs> yeah, I it was just It makes a man like, feel oh. like a king. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I, you know what? I, I, I think I might be a little bit more harsh on that if... I didn't know Quantum Leap and I didn't know like the the heart of the show comes from a, a place of genuine goodwill. Yeah, I don't think so, they meant it in any sort of like um malicious, malicious or bad. way. I don't know why they would mean it in that way, but no, I don't no, but know. I, but the thing is you can't help but you you nailed it, Alice, and say, okay, so Martin Luther King needed Sam as the white savior to create the reality in which we exist, which is, I'm sorry, it's problematic. He's the white savior because he's the he's the hero. Yeah. Um. Granted, yeah. Uh, Isaac does do a lot. Olivia does do a lot, but um, I don't know. I th- maybe just inherently the story comes. I don't know because I mean, like. It's good that he was helping rescue slaves, you know, like being on the right side of history. Like, um, but I, I just, some elements of it, for some reason, like, just didn't come together. I didn't like that the family didn't have any lines. They're clearly just there just to be props. Yeah. yeah. Well, like, they're sitting there reacting, and he's saying a lot of, like, crazy shit to them. <laughs> you know, like, this crazy white man. And then, like, they don't say anything. Even when it's like they're sitting there holding their kid, they could die, but they don't have any lines. This is clearly because all the budget went on the props and the costumes and not on the extras. It's it's obvious budget. Yeah, considering the budget they had at the time, I think, like, this is pretty darn good. Hmm. Yeah, and just because it's problematic, again, doesn't mean that it doesn't fit in with the spirit of the show. And this is, you could just say, it's another kiss with history. This is another Buddy Holly thing, or another, you know, it's another Michael Jackson thing. Or It fits in well with the mythology of the show. I just think that, viewed from a current lens, if you were going to have an issue with this episode, that might be a big red flag. I personally thought, again, that it was inspiring, and I was welled up at the end of the episode. So, in context, I thought it was a beautiful moment for Quantum Leap. But you guys talking about the budget. I mean, really, um, aside from the messaging and uh, what I thought was um, really great casting, the cinematic scope of this episode is like nothing we've seen in season five since JFK. And wow, this was shot like a feature film. It was absolutely gorgeous. It's exactly what Quantum Leap the movie would have been. They would have had to have pushed the envelope of the opportunities that Quantum Leap presented, do something out of the ordinary, and do something that looks big budget. Which, yeah, is exactly what they achieve here. I don't know exactly how they did it. Maybe it was just they had some good locations and some good costuming, and it just seemed like the lighting, something about the way the, the I don't know how they achieved that cinematic versus sort of more TV feel in in the way they shoot stuff, but they certainly 
I put, I guess, put the cinematic filter on the lens of the camera this time. <laughs> that exists, yeah. right? Just get the cinematic yeah. filter out, guys. <laughs> you have to pay a little extra for it, but uh, it'll be worth it in the end. But not only was this the boldest cinematic style that they've had since JFK, but did you guys hear echoes of the score of JFK in this as well? It seemed like Belton was, was really going yes. for it. The bombast yeah. and a lot of that, the trumpet music is the only thing I can think of it as. Yeah. That lent an air of gravity to the proceedings that otherwise um, mm. has been missing in a lot of the gimmicky stuff with season five, which is maybe another reason why I think that even though this is a gimmick episode in the fact that he's leaping outside of his own lifetime, it's a much more grounded episode of Quantum Leap than we've seen in a long time, which is just weird. You know, you would think that since all bets are off, that things would change, but it feels like coming home. Ironic. Very ironic. It feels like the peril is real. And yeah, this is a weekly show. You know he's going to get out alive. But um, this is one of those few episodes where you, you really are edge of seat about how is he going to get out alive? Which another is another reason why this feels like it could, if there'd have been a Quantum Leap the movie, being a film, being standalone, you, you can believe any of the characters might not get out alive. And uh, this has that feel there as well. Yeah, and they put Sam in immediate peril in the beginning, I think for, if no other reason than to, okay, maybe we know because we saw the previews that this is real, but him being a leaper, seeing people in Civil War garb might think he's part of a reenactment until yes. three seconds after he leaps in, some guy's bleeding out under his fingers and he gets shot in the arm and the bullet goes clean through. So it's like, whoa, <laughs> wake up. This is real. Yeah, Holy crap. Well, it's, a, it's a lot. A lot of stuff happens and they have to kind of pick and choose what they want to focus on because there's so much. So like in, in the first six minutes of this episode, and that's minus the one minute saga cell and minus <laughs> the two minute opening credits, Sam comes in and he's helping a soldier who's dying and then he starts calling for Al and then he gets himself shot and then he finds these orders that he's in his great grandpa, John Beckett, and then he's talking about the horrors of war and then he's like rambling <laughs> to Al and then he's like, oh, I was saved by this black family in the middle of the night. Da -da 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 -da. This is all within the first six minutes of the episode. You're like, what? Huh? What? Huh? Huh? What's going on? <laughs> I always remember when I think back to this episode, when Al shows up and he's like, oh, I thought we'd never find you. And I look back and think, yeah, that's the, he's Sam's there for like 20 minutes. So he's at least half the episode before Al finally finds No, you're right. It's almost immediate. But so much has happened. I think they had to cut some stuff out, too, because mm. um, the draft of the script that I read was an, an earlier draft. And I think there was a little bit more with the soldier dying. I feel like definitely the way it was cut felt like they, they shot more and they had to condense it a little bit. The ending in particular was kind of different. And uh, I don't know if that had to do with the timing issue or what. But um, I think the stuff in the draft I read uh, at the ending was inspired by, like, Vietnam like they're like oh, hey Al how'd you survive in Vietnam or what's how did you do it then and then there was more guerrilla warfare and stuff like that as opposed to like this episode's like let's get them soldiers drunk <laughs> <laughs> that would have been an interesting take but yeah it's, it's, it's a, a lot to, yeah. to, to condense down the horrors of war 
into like two seconds yes. of like, tell my wife I love her. All right, I will. I'm shot. I gotta go. <laughs> like, that is a lot to get thrown into, though. And it, it's really horrific. Yeah, I, I absolutely buy into it. It's, it is it is rushed, but it's all done so well. And it's in the performance. It's in the direction. Those first few minutes, I'm sucked in every time. Yeah. And for all the larger scope of this, I think that this episode really stands on more of the personal character moments and just a lot of great chemistry and terrific humor. I mean, I was either really buying the chemistry between uh, Scott and Katie McNeil, who played Olivia. I thought that all of their scenes came across as just genuinely charming and there was a, a real chemistry between them. And then when I wasn't feeling affection for their growing affection, I was laughing or I was, I was moved by something Sam was saying. I just, I don't think that the script had a misfire in it. It was just really tight and all elements of it, I, I think, delivered. As long as you don't think too much about the fact that they're related, mm. the relationship between those two is, is very lovely and very genuine. Great performances. You've just got to squint through the incest, which I know Alison <laughs> is desperate to talk about. I just can't. I wrote the grandma romance in my notes. Yeah. Um, look, genetically speaking, I think this is probably far enough removed that, like, you know, as far as, like, if anything had happened, I don't think it would be... Uh, Incest, incest. I don't know. Uh, I could be wrong on that one. Um, but <laughs> I, I just feel like story wise, having him romance his grandma in any way <laughs> feels like it should have been like Back to the Future, where he's like with his mom. Like, what? Mm. <laughs> like, why? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But Sam's just like, it feels like he really like is falling for her too. And I just, I don't understand why it had to be his grandma. It didn't. I, he could have, like, been helping his grandma along the way, and it wasn't actually, like, him literally having to romance his grandma. <laughs> it just don't... I don't understand. I uh, I don't understand why his hair streak is genetic. Oh! I don't get that either. <laughs> I was wondering who was going to get that in first. Was there a hair streak in the, in the mirror image? I didn't even notice. Yeah. That's how we know that it must be him. <laughs> Yes. What are you talking about, Quantum Leap? <laughs> Genetic hair streak. It's, that's the silliest addition to Quantum Leap lore. And there's been some silly additions. Genetic <laughs> hair streak. How does that uh, add up with the novels where they clearly have an origin for the hair streak? Because everyone watching the show is like, what's up with that hair streak? What's the story? <laughs> I put my own little origin for the hair streak in there, so I'm guilty. Yeah. Oh, did you? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I did. Did it co contradict what happened? In, I believe it was Ashley McConnell that came up with a reason. What was your reason? Oh, something about them needing to take um, some brain matter from both Al and Sam to put into Ziggy for the parallel hybrid so they could link their neurons and their mesons. Yeah, I think that still adds up with uh, Ashley McConnell's version. Ashley might have written that and then, you know, Eight years later, when I wrote my book, I just kind of lifted it because it was part of the, quote, lore of the book series. Yeah, I think it stemmed from that. I mean, it could be coincidental. Something similar may have happened to one of the John Becketts, whichever John this is. Um, and he ended up in a with a white streak as well. We're, you know, we're, we're into uncharted territory here. You guys are talking about some ridiculous concepts, but now we have new technical term for Quantum Leap, new to the lore, genetic field transference. Genetic 
a field transference. So it could be since Sam's body leaps, maybe when John gets back, he's going to look in the mirror and see that streak of white hair. And it's going to be like mirror images. I got white hair. Where'd this come from? Maybe Sam brought the white hair with him and implanted it in his own family genetic line. What? And what I'm sorry, I, I I didn't <laughs> listen to a word of that because I'm just imagining, I'm just picturing if they'd have had a little Katie in Leap Home Part 1 with a white streak in there. <laughs> the whole family has like the little streaks. It only goes to the male heirs. It's just the male heir yes. thing. It, yeah, it's a masculine trait inherited <laughs> through the family. Except, I don't know, did, did Father John have it? This family loves people named John. They have, yes. they have the dad John and then he has a brother also named John and then they have the ancestor John just stop naming people John I put together the family tree in, in my book and it got very confusing all the Johns isn't is is one of the ancestors in independence also called John I'm sure that's just the go to name for any relation because uh, it's not like uh, male names are carried forward from generation to generation in any family ever why would you name both sons John you don't need to all yes. be named John but isn't like didn't George Foreman name all of his, yeah, his children George. George, they're all George Foreman. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there is precedent. <laughs> okay, so it happens, but it's in a fictional world, it's very unimaginative and very confusing. I think they just weren't thinking about it. I think they were just like, I don't know, John. John, 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 John. John's a good name. John's a good name. <laughs> I do appreciate that Sam is just kind of excited to be in his ancestor. Like, he sees his reflection. He's like, oh, no way, man. Sweet. <laughs> I'm my own grandpa. <laughs> It begs comparison and uh, call back to the Futurama episode where Freya actually does become his own grandfather, which was hilarious. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that, but I, have I don't think I've seen that one. No, hilarious. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm sure that there's a huge segment of our listenership that was waiting for us to bring it up. Consider yourselves stoked, okay? I've scratched that itch. Good to know, though, that they, they were able to take a blood test from John in the future. So, um, Chris, how's, how does that fit with uh, the mind leaping? Is it is it mind and blood? Is it mind and blood leaping? <laughs> this was a body leap. Please do explain. <laughs> this was a body leap. <laughs> was, okay. Whatever, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> it's not incest if it's a mind leap. That's what I was thinking. You guys might want this one to be a mind leap. You're having so many problems with the grandma angle. <laughs> we don't need the incest. I can't get over the incest. But did you see shirtless Scott with the mustard poultice? <laughs> I mean, come on. What is she? She doesn't have a choice. It's shirtless Scott. That's not what she was seeing, though. <laughs> no, we don't need to be defending the look, I don't even I don't think they even kiss in this episode. It's just dancing. It's very chaste, but I, I guess it it also rings a little hollow too because like, okay, so it, with the other uh romances that Sam has had to do, you kind of feel like he is falling for them in some way himself, even though it feels like, okay, he's falling in love with them. How does this romance work when he leaps out? But um in this, are we supposed to believe Sam is Falling in love with his, his great great grandmother? Is he does he feel nothing? And then like his ancestor leaps in and is like what? Like I just I don't know. I love the idea that if Doctor Sam Beckett had made it home, that the first thing he'd do is go and uh, just flip through the history books and find some very old picture and go yeah, Whoa, yeah 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 that was that was one good leap. Are you implying he's gonna like do something with that picture or like? 
I, I was not. Uh, that's up to our listeners' imaginations. Um, yeah, well, I, was, I mean, why else he's? Oh, I gotta find that picture right now. <laughs> Ooh, Donna's like, what? <laughs> what mistake have I made? <laughs> Donna, can you wear this dress? <laughs> oh, then it goes into like then it goes into Independence by John Peel. That is a whole other can of worms. Well, I think that becomes an issue though. Um, giving a nod to the series premise, knowing that Sam can't leap outside of his own lifetime, what choice do you have but to make it then some kind of ancestor thing? And the fact that I'm sorry, like Romance of the Week is stock and trade of every network drama. That would have been an increasingly problematic aspect to leaps like this because Sam would always be in some ancestor of his or some descendant of his. And so where does the line lie? Um, can you still do sort of a classic hour of drama with the romance and everything or do you have to find different ways to tell these kinds of stories? Because we seem to be focusing a lot on the incest in this <laughs> He can have a romance with someone that does not then end up having children by him after he's leapt out. It could be a fling. Yeah, he, he can have a fling. <laughs> I mean, do, do you really think every single leap ultimately ended, or every every romance in every leap ultimately ended in a child being born? Nah. You know, you're probably right. I guess I'm just thinking in terms of... Ah, a lot of writing would, I think, tend towards him having to... Do something so that he either causes something in his own history or prevents changing something yes. in his own history. And how do you do that unless it's a family member that he's involved with? And it would, even with any of the romances, it would have to end with Al saying, oh, yeah, yeah, everyone ends up happy and this person ends up becoming a famous astronomer. And this, Oh, and uh, yeah, these two end up splitting up because the, you he ends up having a child with someone else, <laughs> which ends up being your your great 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 grandfather. I think if uh, in season six, if they had gone with uh, like the future bar concept, that might have been another like leap into a, a descendant or, or some sort of relative kind of thing. But I don't think it would have been a typical leap. I think like maybe if they occasionally had the budget and the inspiration to do something outside of the box, they would. And you can tell stories that aren't just romantic. They didn't have to be romantic. No, you're right. I just I, I just feel like the temptation of pulling it back to the future every time something like this happens is probably going to be too great for most writers out there. Yeah. But I hear you, Allison. They eventually would have gotten away from that stuff because how many times can you tell the same kind of story? As convenient as that complication is to this kind of, of premise – you eventually are going to wear it out. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I like that they open the possibility because I would have liked to see more stories, not necessarily involving him romancing relatives, but I would have <laughs> liked to see, like, a proper Old West episode or go to medieval times or, you know, something like that would be kind of fun. <laughs> and, and if anything, like, I feel like I would have liked to see it just to go a little bit further because this episode, like, Sam gets shot at the beginning, which is fairly serious in that time period. And then yeah. there's like a mustard poultice and then like outside of occasionally kind of grimacing, he's fine. Yeah. Well, you know, he and gangrene are, uh, they've come to terms with one another. Bring on the gangrene. <laughs> what is that? Haven't you ever seen a mustard poultice before? Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Forget what I said. 
Bring on the gangrene. <laughs> He's like helping them like carry buckets and put out a fire like nothing. Well, he, he winces a couple of times. He winces a little bit. He kind of holds his shoulder and yeah. then he's fine, and, like, that would be, like, a very bad situation to be in, especially if you're from modern times suddenly transported to the Civil War. Oh, you think? Yeah. Um, And I don't think that he would have gotten off that battlefield, because he would have been too disoriented. I think that, uh, I, I, I think that once you, upon a rewatch, you realize that it's Montgomery that shoots him to begin with. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And that Montgomery recognizes him. And I don't think that he would have just slid down a river embankment. Given how driven Montgomery turns out to be in this episode, I think he would have chased him down and shot him in the back of the head. He was saved by the, the slave family, the runaway slaves. No, but the, he, he slid down an embankment and then they turned around and gave up the chase. I think that they wouldn't have given up the chase. I think they would have they would have found him and killed him. <laughs> so maybe they saw him go down and they thought maybe he was he was dead. No, but he said he saw him leave though. So I don't know. I don't know why he wouldn't chase him down. Yeah. And let's get to uh if we can Jeffrey Lower's performance in this. That's the guy who played Montgomery and man, he was just terrific. Yeah. <laughs> there there's something very fun about any character. <laughs> <laughs> Who talks like a real gentleman, but he's a real bastard. He's a real scoundrel. <laughs> <laughs> he's a real son of a gun. Um, and every time that, like, the more uh, in character that Sam becomes, the more Southern he becomes also. So it's like a, a Southern draw-off between him and <laughs> Montgomery. Sleep uh, might come in handy before dawn. Oh. Then things might get back to normal around here. Oh, no, things will never get back to normal until the Union is vanquished. And free white Southerners can again live like civilized men. Isn't that right, Captain? Are you implying something with your tone, sir? Oh, no. I do declare. <laughs> Did he put this on his NCIS demo reel? That's yeah. what I'm wondering. <laughs> because the accent is back. But no, you know, it's different. A Nolan's accent's not the same as... A- Louisiana, Virginia, the Virginia <laughs> accent. I believe he was from Tennessee, though. <laughs> from Natchez. I'm from Natchez. Their, their fleet's in Tennessee. <laughs> oh, no matter what uh, region it's from, it's equally delightful. In my ears, anyway. My ear holes enjoyed it. Oh, that was fun. It's always good to hear him doing that. Especially speaking as a Brit who definitely cannot pick up on the subtleties and where it goes horribly wrong. Scott Southern accents, plural, always a pleasure. <laughs> I don't, know, I don't know how many different ones he does in one episode. I mean, it's... did want to point out New Orleans is in Louisiana, so I just wanted to correct my mistake there. <laughs> okay, <laughs> just so people know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Check. But um, speaking of you know places, Matt, can you tell me since you wrote the book where this was filmed because it was a nice location. Yeah, it was um, Walt Disney's Golden Oaks Ranch in Santa Clarita, California, which is where the, um, in one strobe over the line, the uh, photo shoot with the lion um, is shot there as well. It's the, um, that kind of, uh, I I don't even know what it is, that construct over the water um, that the whole opening sequence takes place in. Uh, That's where the lion photo shoot takes place as well. I'm sure I've seen it in other shows as well. It's. Uh, I feel like that that bridge that they had in the beginning is that the same bridge that Cisco and Jake were fishing off of in the premiere of DS9. It could well be. 
It definitely looks like that as well, isn't it? It's quite iconic. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. We have to have at least three Star Trek references in every show, so Matt, it's your turn <laughs> next. <laughs> I will try. But again, it, it didn't take me out of the episode. It's only right now that I'm realizing that it could have been the same location. It just had such an authenticity to it. Everything about this shoot, which I think that if they had done more scripts like this, the danger is that just the anachronistic nature of the production would probably take you out of whatever period they were trying to set. I mean, you would have to get at least this level, if not better, if you were going to go to different eras in history. Well, that's one of the reasons that uh, Donald Belisario set the limit that he did, because budget-wise, you couldn't just do all over time, all the time, because it's just like, it's so vastly different once you get out of a certain time period. Chris, can I just say, amazing spot. Uh, you are quite right. Deep Space Nine Emissary was filmed there. <laughs> um, accord- according to IMDb, 132 productions there, including uh, Back to the Future at one point. <laughs> The recent One Division, and uh, yeah, I'm not going to list everything. A uh, hundred and fifty odd. But you mean, are we talking about this ranch or that specific bridge? Well, specifically, yeah, Walt Disney's Golden Oak Ranch. But it, it's I don't know how big it is because it's got a um, road name and number. It's 19802. Um, that's twice it shows up in Quantum Leap, and both times it's that bridge. So, yeah, North and South was filmed there as well. North and South was that a TV miniseries? That was a miniseries uh, set in the Civil War, which also starred uh, Kate McNeil. I did want to mention Michael D. Roberts as Isaac. Yes. Uh, he was also uh, Willis Tyler in Color of Truth, as uh, Matt so helpfully put in the rundown. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I also recognize him from Manimal, uh, quite the ubiquitous actor in the 80s and 90s. I thought he did a great job. Like, it's always nice seeing him and stuff. Yeah, he's oh, one of, he's one of those guys. Farm. Sorry, I'm going to spend the rest of this recording just <laughs> looking up um, filming locations at the Golden Oak Ranch, which I've just checked a map out. It's it's reasonably big, but it's there's not that much there. So I think probably once you've seen the two or three bits of it, um, such as yeah the the farmhouse that shows up as the Peabody Farm, um, I, I think that's it. You're going to just recognise it in everything. What's the Peabody Farm now? The um, old man Peabody. Has this oh. crazy idea about breeding pine trees. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. I thought that was uh, Twin Pine Ranch. Well, yes, that too. <laughs> oh, thinking about that, uh, that, that location, the big field at the beginning and all that, do you think that they got a bunch of Civil War reenactors to do their thing and then filmed it? Oh, totally. Gotta be. Because that reminds me, okay, I don't know if either of you watch any uh, MST3K at all. I- I've seen it, sure. Okay, they did an episode called Time Chasers. Is that a movie you guys ever saw? I feel like I want to have seen it. Yes. (laughs) Oh my god, Matt, you need to see Time Chasers. This is like right in your wheelhouse. Even if you don't see the Mystery Science Theater version, it's hilarious. Anyway, it's a time travel movie, but it's like very ambitious and they don't have a lot of budget. And um, the star is kind of like this unlikely looking hero. And uh, anyway, it's very funny. They have a time traveling plane. And uh, they go to the Revolutionary War at one point, and it's just a bunch of reenactors and some people that appear to be in pirate outfits uh, wandering around. <laughs> wow. uh, it's they go all over time. They go to the far future. They uh, it's just a brilliant movie. It's very good. 
And that's what I was thinking of with this, with the reenactors. <laughs> but they looked a little nicer than Time Chasers, to be fair. Yeah, I think maybe they were reenactors. They probably still got studio costuming because, again, just the authenticity. Reenactors, reenactors. I don't. Well, I don't know about the ones in Time Chasers, but reenactors in general <laughs> can get like right down to the nitty gritty. Don't underestimate people who are like gotta have the right buttons. Yeah. They're like yeah. super into into history and what the specifics are. So sometimes you can get some pretty damn good reenactors. All right. Well, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if that's the route that they took because it seems like the reenactors would be game. They'd be probably hyper enthused. Well, you'd save on money too on costumes if they already had them <laughs> and weapons. So if we're talking about season five uh, budget tricks, right? So yeah. yeah, well, the the really quick cuts, it didn't look like stock footage to me. So that was my I was suspecting that they found some reenactors who were very excited for their two seconds of shooting a cannon and get blown up. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, they did have some some really good stunt shots and some good pyrotechnics. Yeah. I mean, they had the guys running towards the camera and the cannonball exploding behind them. Yeah. Yeah, I do wonder if maybe they got some stunt people in for that, because just for liability <laughs> reasons. I don't know about s certain stunts. Yeah, I, I, gotta, I gotta think so. <laughs> Seems risky getting enthusiastic amateurs to throw themselves <laughs> over an explosion. For sure. If they did do that, then those reenactors deserve a round of applause, so... Good, good work, guys. <laughs> and, um, I don't think they're listening, but all right. They are. They are. They're all listening. <laughs> Good work, guys. Good job, guys. <laughs> You're the one who brought it up. <laughs> I, you know, I just find that interesting. I find it interesting trying to, like, uh, pull it apart and see how the thing was made. Mm. And as far as, like, saving budget, like, if you want to get this epic-looking movie or, like, show that, like a movie, but you don't have a lot of budget, like, you go to the reenactors. They already got their, like, their cannons and they got the, the outfits and they know how to be period-appropriate and run around and pretend that they're fighting. You find, like, the different locations, and you get, like, two or three people. There's not a large cast in this episode. as And as far as the main cast, it's even smaller. Like, you have a few soldiers, and you have the family that doesn't say any lines, uh, but really very small in scope. But they made it seem larger than it was. Yeah, yeah. And um, the one thing that struck me as maybe a little bit... All right. How, but this is just the way my, this the whole reason I wrote my book. Um, just think about it from John Beckett's point of view. <laughs> he's in, a, he's in the middle of a heated battle. What is going on? <laughs> and then all of a sudden he's heading north with Isaac and Olivia, who yeah. he doesn't know. I mean, yeah. it's just like, how does he fill in that gap? Maybe they think he got the blood poisoning yeah. and they need to fill him in again. Uh, yeah, I mean, because then he's going to come back. You better and... hope he really was sympathetic exactly. towards slaves, too. Because if he had some, like, really racist ancestor, like... But I guess if he married Olivia, he probably was also a sympathizer. Because I feel like that's a point where make or break a marriage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, you're an abolitionist? Uh, I guess we can learn to live. <laughs> you know what? Everyone has their differences. <laughs> uh, you know what I was really inspired by was uh, when... Uh, when Sam says that there'll come a day. In fact, there'll come a time when respectable women will wear pants, breeches, on a daily basis. Nobody will even think twice about it. Oh, indeed. And um, you get to have cigarettes, too, if you want. But I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> but I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> but he wouldn't recommend it, no. <laughs> and you'll be able to vote. But the most important thing is that pants thing. <laughs> pants. That's... 
I just love that even on that point, like Sam's like, I have to give her hope. I have to be like, you know, someday you too <laughs> will be able to look like a farmhand and wear your britches. Yes. I have ended sexism. <laughs> I have ended gender roles. I have launched women forward. That's right. You will wear pants. Well, maybe not you, but your descendants will wear pants. <laughs> and one day a white man can wear an apron. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. I did want to bring up to you... um. Al, Al's purpose in this episode is to say one-liners. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he goes, up your up nose, nose with a rubber, rubber hose. hose. <laughs> and an officer, but definitely, definitely not a general. <laughs> there were fairly good one-liners when he said, go get a ret. That made me laugh, Al. <laughs> go get a ret. He has nothing to do. He has absolutely nothing to do. Oh, I mean, he does give them the uh, the troop movements so that the family can get away at the end. That's true. And he does tell Sam the stuff about the army or whatever unit he's in to help fill in some gaps a little bit. And he introduces the term genetic field transference into the lore. Yes. So that's huge right there. I would. I did not remember that until you brought it up. Oh, I can never get it out of my mind now. <laughs> uh, what they would have done with the genetic field transference, it would have been like psychosynergizing in season six had they had the chance. Oh, yeah, yeah. I bet they would have done an Old West one because you know what? They got them Old West sets. Well, they did an Old West one and, you know. Yeah, but you could do a proper Old West one, not just like Old Man Cowboy. <laughs> if you want to see Sam in a proper Old West episode, watch the Enterprise episode North Star. That was a, a good Old <laughs> That's West. That's true. North Star. <laughs> and they're shooting the phasers at the cowboys. <laughs> it's very good. I mean, and he owned in that uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly garb that he had on in that episode. So if you really are Jones and- You know what? Yeah. Archer never looked better than the North Star episode. So there you go. And I think he inspired you for your Star Trek Online character, right? He did, yeah. He was the <laughs> captain I chose uh, for uh, Timelines, and I called him Captain Howdy. <laughs> <laughs> and there's our third and last obligatory Star Trek reference of the episode. <laughs> I, I feel like uh, w- one last thing about this episode. Um, I, I did like this episode. I did because of the possibilities that it opens up. And, and there are some things I don't like that much, but I, I do enjoy that it was something very different. And I think this is like the last one before the series finale that I was really like, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's only like two more left anyway. <laughs> yes. But I feel like that one, it, it felt like a good one near the end because there's some of them were a little bit rocky near the, the end of the show. Mm. I do feel like I, I would have liked to see more of these are things that are touched on, but not focused on very much the fact that sam cannot get very much information from al about what's going on because ziggy's not going to have like a whole lot of info documented about the civil war um the fact that sam is injured and a doctor uh, like there could have been more about like how does he use the tools around him to help himself uh, or to help other people um there was just a lot more i think of like they could have done with the the premise of that you really are just kind of lost even more than he usually is. Hmm. So I think that's uh, my final thoughts on the episode. All right, how about you, Matt? Yeah, I mean, I I, I think we all agreed up front, and nothing's nothing's changed here. This this is a this is a really good fun episode, and yeah, I I agree with everything Allison's just said. This opens up so many possibilities for the future. This is. 
the one episode that makes me really disappointed there wasn't a sixth season. Not that I would have wanted a sixth season that was going all over the place, but it shows what they could have done. Um, and yeah, in, in season six, it would have been nice to see maybe two or three uh, going outside his lifetime. But just the confidence that they do it with, if they'd have introduced new gimmicks in the sixth season, this would have given me hope that actually those gimmicks might have been might have been positive gimmicks and not Dr. Ruth gimmicks. <laughs> yeah, I think that pretty much sums up exactly how I feel, Matt, because I feel like this episode is the perfect synergy of season five wackiness and quantum leap that we know and love. It shows that they can use the gimmicks and still tell compelling stories like they always have and keep the heart of the show intact without straying further and further afield because they're trying all of these wacky things. Mm-hmm. And um, it is disappointing that we didn't get to see them do it again, but maybe not. Maybe this was just like a perfect synergy of one idea and one episode, and who knows if they could have carried it on. But it just – was a really strong episode for the tail end of season five that made you realize once again why you love Quantum Leap. It was like coming home to me. And um, I, I, I'm really happy that even if we don't get more episodes like this, that we got this episode like this. And uh, yeah, so I think that pretty much does it for our main discussion about the leap between the states but we have much more to cover so stay tuned for these words and we will see you on the other side on the latest episode of leaps elsewhere we discussed something that I thought would be cute and heartwarming, but which turns out to be worse than the landlady. It's uh, the trial of old drum. <laughs> the trial of old drum. <laughs> Based on a true story of uh, a trial involving a dog and a farmer and some sheep. Uh, they think that the dog's killing the sheep. And uh, Scott Bakula shows up in the last 30 minutes as a southern lawyer um, with a terrible haircut. <laughs> I quite liked it. For a movie that is celebrating a gentler time gone by, there were a lot of total stone-cold dicks in this. And a lot of just, like, casual murder. What do you have against nice things, Chris? <laughs> Where is the joy in your soul? Why do you hate joy? They put the dog in prison! <laughs> He's in a jail cell! It's so good! The twist is that the trial doesn't start until the end credits. That's the weird part! <laughs> to find out how to hear this and other Patreon-exclusive shows, go to patreon.com slash quantumleappodcast. That's patreon.com slash Quantum Leap Podcast. The movie got dumber. It got dumber the second time around. Ah, they should have they should have demanded dogs in the jury. That would have made the film a lot more fun. Hi, this is Terry Copley, and you are listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast. Okay, everyone, we're back. And guys, we have some feedback, and it's a listener we've heard from before, but he actually answered a call that we put out. I think shortly after Blood Moon or shortly after Dr. Ruth, although he doesn't use the word love muscle, I made a promise that if we had someone doing a vampire or Dr. Ruth accent, they would be guaranteed to be on the podcast. So let's listen to this voicemail from longtime listener Mike Thomas. Yes, hello. Uh, This is Mike calling. I'm 
here to talk about in my most favorite accent, the episode of The Blood Moon. <laughs> it is a very, very horrible episode. Very horrible episode. And uh, I would just also like to say that I love the episode Dr. Ruth. <laughs> that is my best Dr. Ruth impersonation. I think it is a great episode. Uh, hey, guys, uh, this is Mike Collin again. I uh, called once before. Just want to call again. Uh, listen to the podcast, and you said to call and give your best vampire impersonation, and I added a little Dr. Ruth in there. It's probably pretty bad. <laughs> just want to call and touch base with the podcast. Love every episode you do. Thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy it. Blood Moon, I hate. Granted, it's not as bad as Dreams. Dreams is like my all-time number one worst episode ever. But uh, Blood Moon, even though it's campy, it just did not do it for me. Uh, Dr. Ruth, on the other hand, I know you guys didn't like it at all, but I thought it was a great episode. Uh, I thought it was funny with the accent and the, you know, impersonation of Dr. Ruth that Sam was doing, saving the girl from the boss that was sexually grasping her, trying to kill her with a great kind of B storyline and the stuff with the L was hilarious. Also, I just wanted to mention, I know the podcast is getting close to the series finale and just wanted to throw it out there that, uh, before you do the books or the comic books, I thought maybe, you know, from Genesis to, I believe it's uh, Rebel Without a Clue, uh, up until that point that you guys did not do, or wouldn't mind having, hearing you talk about those episodes as well. Uh, so I just thought I'd throw out my opinion on that, and uh, I hopefully will uh, hear some podcast, because I love hearing my voice on the podcast. I uh, hope everybody's doing good, and I will talk to you later. Thanks a lot. <laughs> I loved that. That was great. <laughs> Promise kept. Oh, my God. Those accents, it was so good. It was so good. If you're ever in the UK, please drop by and we can watch Blood Moon together and you can do that accent right through it. <laughs> and it will make it so much more entertaining. He was kind of like um, kind of like a, a vampire who really likes the spaghetti. It's <laughs> <laughs> really good. It's a me, a Dracula. It's a me, a Dracula. <laughs> I like he threw in the Dr. Ruth too. Accents are just fun. They're just fun to do. Just ask Cousin Albrecht. Um, <laughs> what I loved about this call, though, Mike, the first time he called us, it was right after he discovered us. It was July 10th, 2020. Oh, okay. He left this message on July 10th, 2021. <laughs> so, Oh, my gosh. Weird little synergy there. See you next year, Mike. It was meant to be, but um, um, not only did I want to play that because I thought that it was a really cute call and that it really, really just chuffed us up really good. I mean, we're apparently the greatest thing ever. Yeah, that was yeah. really nice. But he does bring up a topic that I wanted to discuss with you guys. I know that we said that after Mirror Image, which is, God, two episodes away. It's so sad. We're coming near the end. <laughs> It is so sad. I know. But we said that we would go on to the books and to the comic books. And mm -hmm. I'm thinking there's going to be a lag, especially with us reading books. It's going to take us a while to read them and to do them. So I was just trying to think of, uh, you know, spitball ideas with you guys about what we might do to fill out the off weeks. And I was on a call with Albie last night. And he said, why don't you guys just start, like like Mike just recommended, why don't you just start from the beginning and do episodes? It'll be like Quantum Leap Podcast, The Next Generation. It is half the uh, the series yeah, that yeah. we didn't cover. It was about halfway through. 
And I told them, you know, you guys covered them so thoroughly and mm. so well. Are we just now going to be retreading? And so, I mean, I'm not against the idea of doing that or doing some select episodes from different seasons and sort of giving our take on them. I think that our listeners might enjoy that. But the other thing I was thinking that we might be able to do, I've been listening to a lot of Trek FM podcasts lately about DS9 and about Enterprise. And what they do over there is they'll discuss a character or a topic and then they'll draw upon the entire series to explore that cool. and wow I, I feel like that might be a good way to go too and that way we can talk about episodes that we've never specifically referenced but in purpose of a larger conversation instead of maybe retreading some ground that albie and heather already covered very well so just ideas that I have. If you listeners out there have any opinions on that, we'd love to hear from you. Um, let us know what you'd like the future of the podcast to sound like. I don't know, Matt and Allison, any thoughts on that? Or I mean, it's a pretty good idea. I'm fine with uh, either one of them, really. And yeah, I mean, there would need to be some gaps with the books, because uh, reading, there's a lot of reading. A lot of reading to do. Yeah, and we also want to give the listeners a chance to read the books, too, if they're so inclined. Yeah, you know, yeah, a yeah. reasonable amount of time between each one of them. It ain't going to be weekly or bi-weekly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <for sure. laughs> so, so that's what I was thinking. And also, before I forget, um, we just heard this voicemail. I also heard from a couple of listeners who had some Civil War-related things that they wanted to talk to us about. And unfortunately, I just, you know, everything always is flying away from me, and I never really got a chance to get back in touch with them regarding those ideas they wanted to discuss with us. But if you have any kind of personal story about the Civil War that um, this episode invoked, or uh, I guess it wouldn't be a personal story, would it? <laughs> You'd have to be a time traveler like Sam or a <laughs> well, maybe like a personal history or something that... Yeah, like some kind of family history, yeah. Something that touches you personally. Yeah, but yeah. Um, I just, I wanted to put it out there. Um, guys, I got your mails. I'm interested. I think we're interested in hearing what it is you have to say. I'm sorry I didn't follow up in a bigger way about it, but that being said, um, we'd love for anybody who wants to discuss um, any kind of family history with the Civil War to call in, leave a message just like Mike did, and uh, we'll, of course, um, feature them on the podcast if we have some time. And uh, yeah, we'd, we'd love to get that aspect of it, so that angle on it. So anyway, um, I know I'm talking a lot here, guys, but it just it, it seems to me like, uh, again, we're so close to the end. I know that we all want to go on. I just want to figure out the best way. Mm -hmm. So the other thing about this, being so close to the end, I discussed with Albie again last night, and Hayden was on the call too. He says, hello, everyone. They would love to do a special, like a mirror image special where we all chat about it. And mm -hmm. um, I said that I have no problem with that idea. I think it's a great idea. But what I'd like to do first is just like a normal episode where the three of us tackle mirror image like we would any other episode and then maybe have a special afterwards where we invite not only um, Albie and Hayden but listeners as well to um, tell us what they think about the series finale and maybe make it just like a series retrospective. I, I feel like mirror image is, is too big to just do once and too many people feel too many things about it <laughs> for us to just say, well, that's the final word. Then that's what we think. See ya. <laughs> it would be 10 minutes long and be like, as I. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, to that end, uh, Matt, I think you had an idea based on um, 
something that we we discussed. Uh, my God, I'd be eight or nine episodes ago, but that we never followed up on. So yeah, um, quite some time ago, many many months ago, um, one of our listeners, uh, Emily Hilditch, got in touch to share with us that she had some. Uh, some promotional postcards from the launch of Enterprise, and they're they're beautiful postcards. It's uh, Scott Bakula in his his uh, bronze uh, astronaut outfit, really nice condition, nice uh, collector's items, and uh, she was kind enough to share them so we could use them in some kind of competition or, or giveaway. And, and I've been sitting on them, not literally. They're, they're still. <laughs> they're, st- <laughs> they're all creased and sweaty, especially not in that plastic <laughs> <Yeah>. chair. <laughs> They're quite comfy. Um, so yeah, if, if you want some butt-shaped postcards, um, <laughs> then, then here's how to do it. So, so yes, as Chris was saying, um, it would be great to get listener feedback from Mirror Image. There's, there's going to be so many different opinions and thoughts. So, um, what we thought we'd do is just encourage you to, to, to contact us in whatever way you want to. And we will aim to share as much of the feedback as possible. But what we'll also do is randomly select, uh, four of them. And, and we'll send a postcard out to each. And, uh, yeah, hopefully that will encourage some of you to, to get in touch and share your thoughts about the, the series finale. Yeah. And when we ask you guys to do that, I'm just going to lay down a little bit of a guideline. Um, if you want to call and say you hated it, that's great, but give us some substance. Tell us why you hated it. Mm. Don't just call in, say, oh, it sucked and hang up or, you know. <laughs> You know, we want to... If you do it in a Dracula voice, though, we'll, we <laughs> okay, will play we might. That's okay. That's <laughs> yeah, good. We might. It, is, it sucked, and then it's a pun, too. <laughs> <laughs> See, Allison, that's why you're the star of the show. Anyway. Oh, um, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just would like you to keep in mind when you're leaving comments to put them in a little bit of a broader context, not only for the purposes of the episode mirror image, but um, I guess how you think that reflects on the series as a whole, whether you liked it Mm. or didn't like it. Because I know that there are a million conversations just waiting to be had about mirror image. And it's going to be so hard to just, you know, narrow it down to a few. But I just want to give everybody a chance to have their say. And um, yeah, it might be a, a pretty long special, but that's what specials are about. So um, please, we encourage you to, uh, you know, weigh in. And as a bonus, you might get a lovely, lovely Scott Bakula Enterprise postcard shaped like Matt's butt. <laughs> <laughs> Best part of it. And to that end, there are many ways that you can reach us here at the Quantum Leap Podcast. You can get us by phone at 707-847-6682. You can email us at quantumleappodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash quantumleappodcast. You can hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at quantumleappod. And you can always go that extra mile and support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash quantumleappodcast. Just remember that we may use your response on an upcoming episode of the Quantum Leap Podcast. And speaking of upcoming episodes, oh, Matt, tell us what's next. I'd be happy to. Don't be loathsome tonight. Dust off the blue suede shoes. Prepare to get all shook up because it's now or never. <laughs> it's Memphis Melody. <laughs> Soon enough, boy. Need a little trim, Elvis. Elvis? Oh, boy. 
man, you guys are on fire with this. Ping, ping, ping. I, I had to Google far more than I'd like to admit to uh, prepare for that one. <laughs> it's very good. You guys Thank just you. Poof, you. bounce off each other. It's great. You know what? I don't want to spoil too much about uh, what I'm going to talk about with Memphis Melody, but I will tell you this. Since seeing it the first time, I have become far more of an Elvis fan than I was back then. So rewatching it for the podcast promises to be a lot of fun, at least on that level for me. And Matt, the fact that you mentioned all the songs and I was singing them all in my head, <laughs> I was just disappointed that you didn't have Suspicious Lies in there. I couldn't figure out a way of getting that in. <laughs> <laughs> I tried, man. I tried. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, to the Elvis episode. And uh, I guess until then, you're all going to have to wait to hear more of my Elvis impersonation. I have been. Sh- shouldn't we end with like a thank you, thank you very much? <laughs> <laughs> you beat me to it. Uh, <laughs> I have been Christopher DeFilippis. I've been Alison Fragler. And I've been Matt Dale. And thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Quantum Leap podcast, hosted by Allison, Matt, and Chris, with voice talent and contributions from Hayden McQueenie and Zoe Dean. Visit us at quantumleappodcast.com. To support the show, please go to patreon.com slash quantumleappodcast. The executive producer of the Quantum Leap podcast is Albert Burge. Christopher DeFilippis and Hayden McQueenie are the co-executive producers. Morgan Felden and Charles Allen Gossard are the producers. The thoughts expressed on this podcast are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those of the Quantum Leap podcast, its partners, or affiliates. The Quantum Leap universe and all it contains is the property of Belisarius Productions and Universal Television. The Quantum Leap podcast is not affiliated with Belisarius Productions or Universal Television, and no copyright infringement is intended. Please visit barrenspace.com for this and other amazing content. The Quantum Leap Podcast is a Baron Space production. Yeah, North and South was filmed there as well. North and South, was that a TV miniseries? That was a miniseries uh, set in the Civil War, which also starred uh, Kate McNeil. Oh, really? But Okay, so when, when did that air? Because I always feel like... Um, miniseries or a creature of the early 80s that died out very quickly that was 85 it's yeah 85 i've never seen it but it's um yeah yeah i don't plan on seeing it i mean as far as miniseries go it started and ended with a v so <laughs> i think into the 90s they were a thing but they were usually reserved for uh stephen king adaptations oh yeah that's right <laughs> like the stand or yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like they've got like a comeback now because a lot of shows technically are about as long as miniseries. Yeah, that's true. You're not doing, you know, two to four hours a night anymore. You're doing 13 episodes instead. So, Or like sometimes six less. Mm, true. Which uh, is a season in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not going to argue. <laughs> Give us some substance. Tell us why you hated it. Mm. Why did it ruin Quantum Leap for you, um, aside from the fact that Sam never got home? I, I just... I think that's probably the reason for a lot of people, yeah. though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe maybe I'll cut that. I'll, I'll cut that. So maybe I'll say this. Um, so... And thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. <laughs> Come on, Matt. <laughs> Told you I don't do accents. Not with you guys. You're far too good. Mirror image, I'll bring some accents out. Bullshit. 
don't know how. <laughs> You're going to tell us that you weren't English this entire time. Right. It's like the longest <laughs> grift of all time. <laughs> We seem to be focusing a lot on the incest in this. <laughs>